morning. Thanks, Kelly, for reading Galatians 5. Um, I want to get to that, but before we get started there, I want to highlight where we've been so far. Paul has been, Paul's the author of Galatians, and Galatia is a region uh, very similar to maybe St. Louis County, like a large region. Uh, There are little smaller cities within this region where Paul has started churches, and some people have gone into these churches and said that Paul's gospel, what he's been teaching them about Jesus, is not altogether true, and that there's more than just faith in Christ, but you have to follow some rules and follow some laws. And Paul has been, for the first basically four chapters of Galatians, been hammering on that, that no, that's not true. It's Christ alone, and faith in Christ alone is the only thing that saves you. There's nothing else that you need to do. And broken religion, and you notice these weights back here. We've talked, we've said this throughout this, uh, this series that broken religion tries to get you to carry a weight that Jesus does not intend for you to carry. Broken religion tries to get you to carry a weight that Jesus does not intend for you to carry. And so that's been what's been happening so far. But now Paul kind of shifts a little bit uh, to begin to talk about what, uh, hello, my microphone is now on. Excellent. Uh, so uh, what Paul begins to, to talk about here, he's beginning to tr- transition out of just talking about the security of your salvation and what Jesus has done and, and those things and, and into some very practical thoughts about living this life by faith through Christ. And so it's, it's fairly practical this morning. Uh, before we get to the heart of the message, I want to want to say this, that you and I were created, you've heard me say this before, you and I were created to be in perfect, harmonious relationship with Jesus, with God. That's, that's why you were created. There's a lot of discussion and a lot of angst and hand-wringing about what my purpose is, what your purpose is, but ultimately the purpose of your life is to be in relationship with God. Secondarily, the purpose of your life is to be in relationship with people. Harmony. God intends it this way. Genesis, before the fall, man, Adam and Eve, are in perfect, harmonious relationship with God and with each other, and then sin breaks in and fractures that. Um, I want you to know this, that you were made to be incredibly happy. Like you were made to be incredibly happy, and I'm not going to go um, into some false gospel about prosperity here. But the truth is, you were made to be incredibly happy. I saw a tweet this morning uh, from a guy named Jared C. Wilson. Uh, by the way, follow him on Twitter, read his stuff. He, he writes uh, several books uh, and blogs on the Gospel Coalition. But he said this friendship with God is both the highest and deepest reality a human being can experience. Friendship with God is both the highest and deepest reality that a human being can experience. The deepest reality, the the best reality for you is to have friendship with God. And what Paul has spent four chapters in Galatians trying to prove to us is that the only path to that friendship is through the death and resurrection of Christ and our faith in that. Nothing else. So, 
what is, what's Paul getting to here? Let's, let's just dig in. Verse 16 is the, the heart of this week's message and next week's message is uh, Galatians 5.16. And, and this is uh, important for us just generally speaking, but especially for the next two weeks. Here is the big idea. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not, not gratify the desires of the flesh. There, there's a lot of really, really deep words that are just rich with a lot of meaning. And we're going to walk slowly through this verse because it's so vital to us. Again, our salvation is not at stake. It's done. Jesus Christ has, has won that finally for us. But there is this disconnect. Is there, is like, am I, am I by myself? I don't think I am. Am I by myself in thinking this, that we are the cravings that I have in my heart and in my life, the things that, that my spirit, my, my soul, my body craves, this world can't fulfill them. Is that, is that true for you? Like there's this, some sort of angst that I, I can't fully satisfy what I feel like I want. And the truth is, there is a broken world that we live in that's at war with us. And this verse highlights it perfectly. I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is really important for us. So the first word that I want to look at deeply here is the word walk. And it means to make one's way. Or in particular, in this instance, to make due use of opportunities. Think about that idea. Think about those words together. To walk in this context means to make due use of your opportunities. Did you guys have the opportunity to eat a muffin this morning? Several of you are nodding your heads. I saw kids taking two and three muffins walking away. So if there's not a lot of muffins, blame somebody who's like 10 or 11. They took them all. (laughs) They robbed you of your opportunity. Um, But also, we had our, our... uh, our, our party Friday night, our celebration for 10 years on Friday night, and we had a lot of leftover food. Some of the fruit and cheese and stuff that's back there are the opportunity for us this morning because of that. And so we have an opportunity to, to eat this food. And so this idea to walk is to make due use of your opportunity. If you walk away this morning, if, you're, if your stomach is growling right now, and look, Trey's back there getting some food. Look, he's walking. It's okay. Get some food, buddy. It's cool. Uh, If you walk away hungry, that's your fault. This word, to walk in the Spirit, if we walk away apart from the Spirit, that's on you. Making due use of your opportunities. Then, Spirit. This this one's really cool. I've, I've taught a little bit about this, but this word contextually means a little bit more. So, Spirit is the Greek word Pneuma. Whenever you see spirit in scripture, it's the Greek word pneuma. And it's also our root word for the word pneumonia, right? And if, you, if you're, uh, we've got some doctors or nurses or whatever here. Uh, if, if you understand what pneumonia is, is ultimately oxygen does not get to the, to the ends of your lungs because there's liquid that's in your lungs that doesn't allow the oxygen to get to that spot. I'm really intimidated by looking at Megan right now. That's kind of right. Um, but that notion 
of, of pneuma, the spirit, the spirit lives within us, but we can walk by the spirit. And so this word contextually is, uh, let me say it right, uh, pneuma is the benefits and life of God pressing its influence into the whole of who you are. To walk in the spirit, to make due use of your opportunities in the spirit is this idea. The benefits and life of God pressing its influence into the whole of who you are. I want you to, to consider that for a second. To walk in the spirit, this is what it means. And then understand what I said at the beginning, that you and I were meant to be incredibly happy. You are meant to be incredibly happy. God's plan for you is to be incredibly happy. The highest and deepest reality for you is to have friendship with God. And it starts here, to walk by the Spirit, to make due use of your opportunity to allow the fundamentalness of God. Think about that idea. That's what's here. The fundamental nature of God is pressing itself into the deepest fabric of who you are. Just like the idea of pneumonia, you can't get a deep breath. To walk by the Spirit is to get a deep breath, pressing the benefits and fundamental nature of God into the fabric of who you are. This is what it means to walk by the Spirit. And again, Paul spent four chapters talking about who you are in Christ. That's not up for debate. What is up for debate is how we live practically in this world. We can walk by the Spirit, having the fullness of God pressed into the fabric of who we are, or we can do the second half of this verse, which is uh, verse 16. Let me read it again. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the ultimate battle. Spirit versus flesh. Let's walk slowly through the second half of this verse. Gratify. Gratify. Strictly means to execute, to complete, or to fulfill. In this context, it means to carry out the commands of another. Think about a general in a, in a battlefield. Think about, um, uh, the, I think about the movie A Few Good Men. Uh, Jack Nicholson says, if people don't carry out my commands, people die. And so people pay attention to the the commands that he makes. It's that notion, that same notion, like, I have to follow the commands of my superior officer or somebody's going to die. I can't just ignore what my superior officer has told me. This is the idea here of what it means to gratify, to carry out the commands of another. And what is uh, desires, to gratify the desires is to lust, to crave, to covet what is forbidden. So... I I want you to know this. There is something about you, your broken sinful nature is a bully commanding you to try to satisfy yourself and your own desires. Remember we talked about cravings and we all have these cravings that this world cannot fulfill. And, And look back to the garden. This is a perfect example of the garden. Adam and Eve tempted to think that somehow I can satisfy my own desires better than God can or that God's holding out on me that he doesn't really want me to be happy. He just wants me to be kind of happy. All right, so here's the path to real happiness, to gratify your own desires, to follow the commands 
of another. And this is, here, this is, I hope, as uplifting for you as it is for me. Every human being that's ever taken a breath wrestles with this. When you struggle with sin, when you give in to sin, when you seek to satisfy the desires of your flesh, there's nothing special about you. Everyone is here. We all wrestle with this. The flesh. Let's, let's define flesh quickly here. It is our natural, unaffected person. Cravings which incite sin. Your natural person. You don't have to be taught to be selfish. If we had a camera up in the, the littles and middles room right now, little kids, the likelihood is that the teachers are saving them from fighting each other because kids are stealing toys from one another. And we don't teach that to our kids. It just happens. But we are refined enough to not throw a fit when somebody takes our block. But we really want to. We are, like at the core of us, our natural, unaffected person wants to get its own wants to satisfy its own cravings. That's who you are. And when we are not walking in the Spirit, making due use of our opportunities to press the fullness of God into the fabric of who we are, when we aren't consciously doing that, we are gratifying the desires of our flesh. And these things are opposed to each other, which is what verse 17 tells us. Verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. I love how wonderfully redundant Paul always is. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Opposed is too weak of a word here. Opposed is warfare. Opposed is I want to kill you. Do you know that the Spirit of God that lives in you has a desire to kill your flesh. And the flesh that's natural in you has a desire to kill the Spirit that's in you. They are literally at war with each other all the time, constantly. And if you feel like you are conflicted and you are the only one that's conflicted, and man, how, do I, how come nobody else that I see or perceive wrestles with the depth of sin that I wrestle with. That's a lie. It's not true. We all do. Um, The truth about opposed. One, it's a constant battle. It always wages. Within you, your spirit and your flesh are fighting right now. Can I I be honest with you? Um, I hope so. Um, And you're thinking, I hope he's been honest with me so far. Uh, that's something we say when we're about to uh, be vulnerable. Here I am about to be vulnerable. This message is all about spiritual warfare. Um, This study this week and next week is all about spiritual warfare. And pastorally speaking, if you guys are ever a part of another church and your pastor starts speaking about spiritual warfare, pray for him all the time. Um, 
because it's really, really real. I wish, one of the things that I wish that God would allow me to do is, is get something to allow us to see the spiritual reality consistently. If we had a way to see, I think of, there was a movie a long time ago with Sean Connery where he was this thief and he was teaching someone to be a thief and they were going to break into this place with like laser trip alarms, right? And like lasers all over the place. And if you tripped one, alarms would go off. But they had some sort of device that would allow these lasers to appear. And so they would just like gingerly and quietly step over or, or slide under or whatever until they got to where they were supposed to go. But they had this device that would illuminate these lasers. And that's what I wish we had for the spiritual reality that we live in. We can't see them, but they are there. There is a very spiritual reality that's going on in our world. And for me, this week has been really hard. I should have been super happy about the fact that we're now 10 years old. It's going to be great. 10 years? Unbelievable. Honestly, I told some of you and I told uh, John and Ron who, who taught us Friday night, I told them that, hey, when I first started this, I was deeply insecure and I know who I am. And I'm like, man, if I, I'm, I'm really just hoping two years before all these people figure out I don't know what I'm talking about. And I thought to myself, man, if we could make it to 10 years, we would be legit. And here we are, 10 years old. And it's supposed to be this incredible thing. But it's been a really dark week for me. And the reality, I fervently believe, is that I've been made aware, intimately aware, of the depth of the reality of the spiritual warfare, the battle that constantly wages in my own heart for my attention and for my affection. And that's absolutely true of you all the time. Constant battle is happening for you. It never ends. But more than that, it never wanes. When I was a kid, um, I, I, grew, I have one brother, just the two of us, and he's really big, and I was really little growing up. This is a, a typical uh, Friday night. My parents would go out, and they were going out with, with their friends for dinner or something like that, and uh, going to go see a movie or something. And so my brother and I left at home for a while. And again, I'm little, and he's big, so that means he gets what he wants, and I don't get what I want. And except, since he was big and I was little, I was faster than him. So here, here's what we would do. He would say, you can't have this. I would wait till he wasn't looking. I would take it, and I would run to the bathroom and lock the door. And then chances are I'm going to spend the rest of the evening there in the bathroom. <laughs> so I would be smart about it and I would put stuff in the bathroom that I might want later. So it's like my own little apartment in there. So, but the problem is you guys, kids, uh, hold your ears if you don't know this, but those bathroom door locks, like you can unlock them. You get like a screwdriver or, or a knife, like a, a butter knife or something. You can, or some of them, like you, you stick through a hole and you kind of push a button and you can unlock it. So I know that from past experience, like I lock it and then he comes in and it's over for Rick. Uh, but then I realize it. And, and so if you hold the, at our particular bathroom, if you hold that, that knob, he can't like flip it. So I'm sitting there holding it. Because, and I know that, like, okay, I just got to do this for five or six minutes, and he's going to give up and go watch TV or something. And so as soon as, like, I hear him walk away, I got to give it a few minutes because he's probably just teasing me, right? He's just walking away, 
and then he's going to come back and unlock the door and, and give me a thump. But when he's finally away, I can relax because the threat has waned. That is not this. The threat never, ever wanes. The battle always, always rages. You'll never, ever not be faced with this, and you'll never, ever have it waned. And the other thing here is that one chases the other away. Your spirit can chase your flesh away, and the flesh can chase your spirit away. Think about that for a second. And, and again, your today joy is dependent upon, are you living in the flesh, are you living in the spirit? And one can chase the other away. Um, so one comes at the expense of another. I want to show you uh, many times in our spiritual reality, we're just chilling, thinking nothing is happening, not a big deal is happening. And there, there's nothing going on in our world. But we can be attacked by something we don't see coming. Hit that video, Kyle. big that eagle is in complete control of that duck. Duck's just chilling, minding his own business and gets gone. I, I show you that to, to get your mind to think. Look at it. Look at the slow motion. That is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Your flesh versus your spirit. You're just hanging out there. Nothing happening. Being a, being a duck. <laughs> Swimming. Enjoying your day. And bam! Something bigger and stronger than you grips its claws into who you are and takes you away. This is the reality your spirit versus your flesh. Your flesh is a very powerful thing. Verse 19. Let's read 19 through, through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Uh, two things I want to point out about these three verses. First is the, the collage of sin that's here. The range is wide from awful things that we would never ever think to participate in like sorcery or orgies to jealousy and envy. And, and there's so much that's here. But uh, the, the common factor is that every one of us, everybody that's here this morning wrestles with something here. Look at these things and, and look at, at each one of these and show me, tell me what, what don't, uh, don't tell me out loud, but think in your heart what things here that you wrestle with. And by the way, I want to say this about 
let, let's just walk through these. Sexual immorality, it's the Greek word porneia, where we get our, our, Greek, our word for pornography. And under porneia are a whole bunch of sexual sins. Um, bestiality, homosexuality, adultery, incest, um, sex before marriage. All, the, every, all these sins are lumped into this one sexual sin. So, by the way, just parenthetically speaking, if you lust... Stop freaking out about other sexual sins because you are guilty. I am guilty. Pornea, we're guilty of that. Impurity, which is lustful, sinful living. Sensuality, which is doing that satisfies what satisfies your body without regard for anything else. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which is hostility. Strife, which is bitter disagreements. And all of these things, the thing that I found about each one of these, think, think about them. If you take any of these, just grab one in there that you struggle with that it's difficult for you. Grab one of them. Think about it. Look through that list. Find one. Pull it out. If you chase that sin to its end, you are alone. Think about it. Every single one of these up there. If you chase them to their end, if you fully give yourself to it, and remember, just like that eagle picture, like you're not doing anything to try to be these things. You can just be chilling, being who you are. You don't have to do anything to get attacked. And and these things become who you are. Like you're just chilling, doing nothing, and bam, the eagle strikes, and rivalry is done. Deep within you, and you get so frustrated at your, your rival, the person you're, you're fighting against, or, or you're just hanging out and, and sexual immorality comes. You're driving, like, it is, it's terrible to drive, for me to just drive to work. There are like five billboards that I gotta look the other direction, or bam, the eagle's gonna strike. But let me be given into my flesh in that moment. Let that morning be a morning of like frustration in my kids or my wife or, or the day ahead of the struggle. And I'm, the eagle is going to grab me by the neck and I'm done for that day. But ultimately, if we take any of these things, we're going to go to the end of it. If we allow ourselves to go to the end of it, we're going to be completely alone. And that's like... That's sin. That's, that's the attack of your flesh. Your flesh lies. We apologize for the technical difficulties. Loving perfectly. Dying brutally. It took that to defeat sin. What in the world makes you think that you can do it? I mean, think about that. What in the world makes us think that we can defeat sin? It took Jesus. And think about when Good Friday is coming soon and and when, when we're experiencing Good Friday, when you are experiencing Good Friday, when you're thinking about the whole concept around Easter, think about the struggle that that from the the moment in the garden and the, the Garden of Gethsemane when he's arrested. Until the moment that this veil rips and he's dead. The, the inner struggle that's within Christ. That's what it took to defeat sin. And this is Jesus. 
What makes you think that you're capable of defeating it? You know what it is? It's your flesh. Because the flesh has one interest. To defeat the spirit. And when it gets you thinking that you have something to do with this, it's winning. Don't let it win. Don't let it win. Lastly, we underestimate God's ability to kill sin in us. Think about this. God has given you his very spirit to press into the fabric of who you are. Remember what we talked about at the beginning? What it means to walk in the spirit is to make full use of the opportunity to press the fullness of God into the very fabric of who you are. We underestimate God's ability to kill sin in us. It's truth. Let's close with the second half of verse 21. And this is the part that I've experienced the, the worst um, fear about speaking and teaching to you and teaching to my own heart because of the spiritual warfare that I think is present and the hardness of what I'm about to say. Paul says, Paul says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That really freaks me out. Those who do such things, and he's talking about the list that he just gave. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That messes with me. I love you guys very much. I I willingly, and it makes me happy and privileged and honored to walk alongside of every one of you who's ever called this place their home. It's, It's the greatest thing in the world for me. But the reality is, the likelihood is, there's some of you who don't really know Jesus. And that breaks my heart for the possibility it's somebody that I've that we've invested so much life into somehow miss, is missing the gospel and is missing the faith to trust fully and completely and solely in Jesus Christ that this might happen Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is not to say that when you sin, you jeopardize your reality. You jeopardize the the friendship that you have with Christ. That's just not true. But the truth is, we can think that we've got this thing all figured out, and we don't. Remember, again, that Paul is talking to religious people who tend to walk in their own flesh to defeat sin. Hear me? The book of Galatians is written to a bunch of people who trust in themselves to defeat sin. And in the middle of it, several times, he says something just like this. People who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're trusting in yourself in any capacity, it's, it's a mirage. I think it's time for me to stop talking and let uh, God alone speak. Let's pray and sit in the spirit. God, thank you.
for your son Jesus. Thank you for the beauty of relationship with you. God, my, my heart is full with joy for the 10 years of this church and my heart is full of angst for this moment, God. Lord, I pray that you would deal with us this morning. I pray that each one of us would intimately encounter you Father, would you point out the flesh in us and would you tear it away? Would you point out your spirit in us and fill it up? And God, I pray against pride that would keep us from living in community and being honest with ourselves and honest with the people that we do life with. if this is us, if, if we're confused about who you are and what you've done. God, please break us of our self-reliance. Break us of our flesh. God, I pray in the stillness of this moment that you would uh, speak clearly. And speak loudly. May we have ears to hear you. God, give us ears to hear you this morning. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen.